The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? I hope you're looking after yourselves. Don't be doom scrolling, it's not good for you. Trust me, I had to stop um, the old Twitter for a a day or two just to give myself a little reset. Um, I hope that you are still looking after yourselves. Keep washing those hands and wearing those masks because COVID isn't really gone. Today, it's just Louise and I. We are celebrating Women's History Month and International Women's Day. Um, as it is International Women's Day on Tuesday the 8th, we wanted to do a episode where we celebrate the people in our lives who have made an impact, inspired us, um, we who we admire, who, as... We all know what I'm like, quietly obsessed with. Um, so it's a variety of an episode and a proper celebration. Um, but Louise has got COVID. Um, so she is being an absolute tripper as always. Um, but yes, uh, she she did mute herself most of the time and she was coughing. We are also asking all of you to send us in your stories of people who you admire, who've inspired you, who have maybe helped you, have guided you. Um, We want to share these throughout the month at the end of the episodes or what we might do, we haven't quite decided yet, is collate all of these stories at the end of March and um, create one episode where we share all of your stories of the people you admire and we think it's just a beautiful way to celebrate Women's History Month. It's also Endometriosis Awareness Month and for those of you who know, I am one in ten. I'm one of those human beings that has endometriosis and this last week has been a particularly difficult and painful one. So there will be, as always, links throughout the month to various different things on endometriosis as we share these with you. Um, Please keep your eye out, please share and spread the word and spread the awareness of this disease. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter, at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Send us an email and send us your stories to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can also follow Louise on Twitter and Instagram at, at Ms. Louise Oliver and I am Elaine.stirrit at Elaine.stirrit on Instagram and at Elaine.stirrit on Twitter. Now, uh, for today's episode, it is a bit of a ramshackle one. We are all over the place. So I suggest, um, oh, what do I suggest? Maybe a cocktail, Uh, definitely a wine, if you like wine, Uh, beer, rum, a, a fabulous fruit juice, maybe like a little passion fruit. That seems quite nice. Or, you know, you could always just go with a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Lou's got the the Rona. Oh no! 
You've told them. You've revealed it. It's true. It's true. I have the Rona, so um, this should be fun. <laughs> it, it'll be what it'll be, and it's like very persistent and nasty in that it's honest and raw and real and no frills, baby. <laughs> no frills. There's yeah. If you could see me right now, you would know that no frills is exactly correct. <laughs> she is in a beautiful top, people. It's it's very pretty. Um. So yeah, this the is our. Carrying a lot. Say that again. The top is carrying a lot of weight, yeah. <laughs> um, this is our International Women's Day podcast. Um, so it's kind of a little throwback to like our little one that we did a few years ago with Misha, like our Girl Crush podcast, which really yeah. should have been Women Crush, but that's okay. okay. Um, it's, it's all fine. Um, since uh, this episode is coming out on Friday and Women's uh, on the 4th of March, like and um, International Women's Day is Tuesday, the eighth of March, and obviously we are now into March, and it is Women's History Month. Yeah, woohoo! Love and it. We thought we'd have a little celebration of the women who have made an impact on our lives, however big or small, um, and just celebrate some beautiful human beings. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to celebrate you, Lily. Yay, I was thinking I'd celebrate you. Let's just make it 11. <laughs> Although that tends to happen every time we do a no, podcast where it's just the two of us. So people might, I don't know, no, might be used to again. These fucking love it up on each other. Gross. <laughs> they need to just fucking get, get a grip. Get a room. Get a room, people. Get a room. Um, <sighs> Anyway, I'm interested to hear who your people are because I have many. Ooh. And I was thinking about it. And I was thinking about kind of what the influences are and where you grew up and like the, obviously the time period that you grew up in and how that can have a real impact on who your kind of first inspirations are. Mm. And then how that then changes as you get older and you become more aware of different people and different um like lifestyles and yeah that was my thought absolutely I don't know I it's a really hard question to answer and there's very there's obviously trite answers which are true as much as they are cliche sounding at first which is like people like my Mm mum which is always interesting because she's got such a hang-up about like which and this is a product of the patriarchy she's got a hang-up about not being uh special in some way and uh Mm -hmm. I'm I feel like I'm constantly reminding her how amazing and brave and smart I think she is, but she never believes me. It's just mm-hmm. like frustrating. But I understand. I understand why because I think that lives in all of us and to some degree. Yeah. Um, and then there's just like there's the more there's the sillier answers. Like I remember the first time seeing Buffy the Vampire Slayer and that kind of blowing my mind as a teenager. I knew you um, wouldn't have to bring up Buffy. I was like, if she doesn't bring up Buffy, then she's really <laughs> ill. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Buffy will be my go-to comfort uh, situation um, over the next few days since I can't go anywhere. Um, and that again, see, it feels like a silly answer, but it's sort of like I'm just sort of thinking about the different ways in which, as I moved through the world, as I grew up, and and uh, how that and, and yeah, you're right. It kind of changes and it evolves and. It's funny how, like, when you're a moody teenager, you might not say your mum is your hero, but that becomes hugely, uh, you know, that changes vastly uh, as you get older. And it's, um, 
if you're lucky enough to have a good relationship with your mum, I think that a lot most women our age have a sense of that. You suddenly become aware of that, like what that meant to bring bring you up, especially like me. And I was like, oh, I was right, pain in the hole. So like, you know, credit to her. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, who wasn't really when they were a teenager? Like, you know, I was a fucking arsehole. Like, oh when I think back, maybe not so much when I was 16, 17, but I, I mean, from 13, maybe even 12 and a half, my sister would probably say 12, um, upwards, I was an absolute dick. <laughs> and my mum, like, she got it so... Yeah, that like when I think back the way I used to like speak to her. Mm. I mean, I'm I, like, you know, like as many people know that listen, like I do do a lot of um, teaching with young people and gamma workshops and stuff. And it's funny because they all know, like I tell them straight away, I'm like, you roll your eyes at me, this is not going to go well. <laughs> I'm like, don't even, you come into my class and you roll your eyes, this is not going to, it's not going to go well for you. And I know I used to roll my eyes all the time at my mum. And it yeah. is like my absolute hatred. I fuck it, it gets me. When a teenager yeah. rolls her eyes at me, I'm like, who the fuck do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I can feel it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I know. And it's just, it's like, I think back on the moody little shithead I was as a teenager. And I think, God, my mum didn't deserve that. Like, yeah, she was doing her absolute best, and particularly under fairly, um, as I now know as an adult, the things I didn't know then as a child, you know, under pretty like intense circumstances. Um, so yeah, like I would absolutely say that my mom deserves a medal in every respect. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, it's for so true. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Like I think my mom. I mean, I will sing her praises for for forever. Like she, well, first of all, my mum's a nurse, so, and she's a fucking amazing nurse. I've been lucky enough, not many people are, to see their parents in their work environment. And mm. I have, because um, I worked with her, which wasn't the best idea at 17, but <laughs> um, I, it did mean that I saw her in her work environment and as a professional. And there's something really important, I think, about that. And especially, I have to say, as a young woman, seeing your mother in her working environment and just knowing that, you know, she's not quote unquote, just your mum mm-hmm. and actually how much other stuff she's got going on while also then coming home and dealing with all the house and all the crap. And I realised that not everybody's house is like that. And I realised that, you know, people take, I think now we're much more about splitting roles and sharing the load, which is super important, but you know, my, like certainly my mum and probably yours, I think Louise has got the hangover from the generations before that, you know, the women were at home. Yeah, for sure. Um, but my mum is an incredible nurse. And I would say if you were sick and you got my mum as your nurse, you are so fucking lucky. Like, she, could she come around now? Could you come around? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, like, you know, she just she is a carer in that sense like her whole being is about caring for everyone like I always remember one of my friends um this was like oh we were probably in our 20s and she'd split up with her boyfriend and my mum happened to be coming around to my house and she was at my house and my mum gave her a hug and I remember she said to me she went 
oh your mum gives the best hugs they're like proper mum hugs like she just envelops you like Mm -hmm. so you just feel so safe and protected and you can feel every bit of love that my mum has and like she's just she's just incredible but it's you know I think about my gran and my granny and you know all the other women in my life my sister um and celebrating that but then just recently I really thought about this my gran's mum my great-gran um so when she was pregnant with my gran her two other children my great aunts were four and two and were both in hospital with scarlet fever and they were in the same room um because they were siblings they were allowed to be in the same room but they were in like big tents um and so my great-gran had two of her babies in hospital she was pregnant with her third heavily pregnant and gave birth to my gran her other two children are still in the hospital my gran was then six weeks old and my great-gran's second daughter Violet um died and my great-aunt Meg who I who's like another grand to me woke up at four to her little sister being gone Mm. and like my great-gran had to process all the emotions of having just given birth and also have to deal with the grief of her child and then the trauma that that probably caused my aunt Meg but that generation didn't speak about it yeah so it's like you know you just get up and you get on with it and you don't process any of it totally uh, yeah, the ability to sort of, particularly women of that generation, the generations that came before us, our mums and our grandparents and stuff, their ability to, because they, and, and I, I feel, I feel this so acutely in, in my bones, the, the sympathy and pain that I have for knowing that so much trauma was absorbed and, un, and not dealt with. And, yeah. and that can manifest some uh, in ways that are less than ideal a lot of the yeah. time. But I'm also just in complete awe of the ability to absorb that trauma, carry it and just get on with it and still be able to be compassionate and empathetic and, and hold space for everyone in their lives. Yeah. Um, often like, you know, taking care of themselves being far, far, far down the line, bottom of the priorities if it gets addressed at all, yeah. which is probably another symptom of that trauma, but it's just so remarkable. And, um, and I wonder, sometimes I wonder like, what would it have been like for you if you had, the channel to sort of heal properly like you're unstoppable as it is so what would it look like I can't even imagine what it would look like if you'd had that opportunity to really deal with that stuff um and I think it's like <clears throat> when talking about women you admire um thinking ahead this morning about chatting about this this afternoon I couldn't it was weird I couldn't really think of any specific examples because obviously we you know, being a podcast about women and marginalized voices, marginalized voices in stage and screen, etc. Like your go-to is to start thinking about actors or writers or directors mm-hmm. you admire, and that's all great and it's it's good fodder. But I I couldn't think of anyone specific because I was thinking so much about how actually I'm just in awe of anyone who can move through this world, any women who can move through this world currently with the way it stands, and stand in their power and do it with grace. And like I'm so hot-headed, I get so angry. I'm always in awe of people who are tackling difficult situations or performing their activism, performing is not the right word, um, engaging in their activism and remain calm and are still mm-hmm. like really like, okay, what do you need to say? Right, fine, I hear that. 
let's look at this perspective. Like I'm constantly in awe of that. And I'm lucky to see that so often in the circles that I move in through my job and, and with you and with the community of Persistent and Nasty. And I'm always a bit like, damn, I want to be you when I grow up. Like I wish I could maintain <laughs> that level of composure. Um, and that's just been, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, lately as the world continues to turn mm. on chaos. Um, yeah. Women who can do that, they can carry compassion and fight at the same time and remain level-headed. That is like, I'm always in awe of that. I, I mean, me too, because, and I, this is like, it feels like my um, life's challenge is to remain level-headed and try to see, <laughs> and I can't, like I can't. A lot of the time, and especially when it is something that kind of really touches me, really like you know if it's a treat if it's treatment for example if it's treatment for um, our older generation and the way they're discarded that just like fucking enrages me if it's people's disrespect for our younger generation because they're just like they're just wains and they've got nothing to say actually they've got way more to say and probably can say it better than you can mm-hmm. um if it's you know the way our industry in particularly particular works and has worked with it's silencing of women without it being obvious that it's silencing us because mm-hmm. we hit a certain age and all of a sudden we're not castable anymore and nobody wants to apparently hear our stories yeah I mean that is silencing us mm-hmm. but just quietly doing it without making a big deal about it and these women that can come and have these amazing conversations and calmly do it I'm the same as you I'm like oh my god like you're because I'm coming in like a fucking hand grenade like <laughs> this is shit why have we not fixed it yet yeah. I love that and I like I think it I think that that fierce hot-headedness is absolutely it has its place and it's so important and I I I see that in myself as well but I, I just yeah I know what you mean I'm just like I wish I could I wish I could sort of turn it on and use drops of it as needed yeah. <laughs> just like yeah it's uh and there's there's so many people, so many women doing great work, similar to uh, the kind of issues that we address, mm-hmm. the persistent and nasty. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of all of them. You just let these level-headed, compassionate, thoughtful, creative women take the lead and yeah. not view them as a risk. Mm. Like, where would we be if we, if we did that for a year? The progress that could oh be made. Oh my God, can you imagine? That's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, and I yeah. Think, yeah, I think that's a really, like, that's a great question. Like, let's, like, you know, who who would be willing to risk that? I know. And Wouldn't I know it be amazing? Right now, like- you know, we're in such a precarious situation with our industry, um, as with many industries. And I think that's the thing with the arts is that we always go, oh God, we're in such a take. We're because we always feel like that. We all there's never enough. There's yeah. never enough financial support to, to do the stuff that we want to do. So we always feel like that. But certainly post, you know, I mean, we're not post-COVID. You've got it. You've got the <laughs> no, like we're not. I'm sitting here it. telling you right now, it's not post, it's current. It's not post. And you know. I mean, separate issue, but not really because 
um, my sister-in-law, who's another person that I totally just like, I think she's an incredible human being and I admire hugely and um, everything that she has experienced in her life and how she moves through this world. Really, she just is a proper inspiration to me. And I'm really lucky that, you know, I got to have her as a sister-in-law, like how bloody wonderful for me. Um, but she was talking to me the other day when we were chatting and we were talking about, you know, the fact that in England, masks and everything have gone, there's no restrictions. In Scotland, it's all kind of going in a couple of weeks. And she'd been listening to something in this female uh, epidemiologist um, uh, who was saying the big issue is a company like Pfizer, who at the beginning had been like, yeah, 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 share it, spread it, are now not sharing the information with Africa so that they can start to make their own uh, vaccination so that it can be rolled out quicker because they're a drugs company at the end of the day and it's all about fucking money so Mm -hmm. all that's going to happen is we're just going to keep in this really ridiculous cycle while we all go oh well we're fine yeah well the rest of the world isn't fine and you know like and I tweeted this the other day and I don't really want to, because I want this to be a kind of like celebration, but we can't avoid it. Like everything that's going on in Ukraine. And, um, but I tweeted this the other day and I just kind of said, my heart breaks for these people. I can't fathom what it must be like to have woke up last Thursday to air raid sirens. I can't fathom that. But I also can't fathom how it feels for the people in Yemen and Syria mm-hmm. And Palestine, looking at what these people are going through in um, Ukraine and also in Russia. You know, there's lots of, I've seen the like 80, I think she's 89 year old wee lady who protested, I mean, to protest in Moscow, the bravery that takes. Mm-hmm. Um, although it, it did make me laugh when the BBC were like, and this is what happens when you protest in Moscow and you're like pulled into a van. And I'm like, eh. Are we noticing what's happening in the UK? Apparently, we can only have silent protests now. Nobody's bothering with that, are they? Yeah. Pretty Patel and her. Well, anyway, no, I'm not even giving her airtime. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't get airtime on, on a podcast about International Women's Day. No. Nope. Um, no. So, taking it back. <laughs> Taking it all the way back. Taking it all the way back. Taking it back to the celebration of women. And it's interesting you said that, Lou, about, um, you know, probably because we are performers and that kind of first thing, like it does then start to make you think about people in the arts. And I was doing the same. I was like, can I think about other people that have inspired me that maybe weren't in the arts and et cetera. But then I was like, oh, but I have to go back to like those women that like lit a fire under me when I was young. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that one of us we're going to say one that's going to be the same (laughs) so I know we are going to definitely have one and that is the legend Judy Garland oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) yes 100% yeah Mm -hmm. talk about patriarchy fucking somebody over Mm -hmm. yeah also, interestingly, interestingly, Judy Garland and then the conversation we had at the top of the podcast about our mums, like, that's an interesting one in terms of, like, her relationship with her mother mm-hmm. and how that went down. So, yeah. 
mother mother daughter relationships are so intense and complex. Um, and Judy Garland, like, yeah, you you know, I'm obsessed with her, as are you. There's just something about. She also has inspired me to think about the ways in which. Um, and this is maybe another. This this could be a a tangent. So I'll just I'll just skim over it slightly. Uh, the the ways in which um, women are raised up and then torn down, um, turned into icons and then destroyed for it, um, and not just in the general sense, but like I'm really fascinated by this idea of what what it means to be a gay icon and raised up mm-hmm. by that community and brought back down again, and and either held up to a, 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 an unattainable standard, and, and ways in which these female icons are held and, and and treated as sacred. I find all of that really fascinating. Um, and one day I'm going to write a show about it, but I don't know where that will begin. But yeah, I think it's a very rich area. Yeah, and it is like I think that's a really good point with um with Judy. I'm going to first name her. I'm sure she wouldn't mind. Um, she would want you to. You, she would feel that you guys are on first name terms. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that, you know, to have the amount of talent that she had at such a young age and the way it was manipulated by her mother, absolutely. Um, I don't think that we can avoid that. But then again, you know, we could go back and back and back. And it's this whole thing, isn't it, about the fact that really trauma was never really discussed and it was you kind of just get up and get on with it because what was her mother's trauma to make yeah. her behave in that way? Um, and then how that has then played out for her in the fact that, you know, because it's that thing that we say, not all women are against the patriarchy. In fact, some of them really uh, enjoy the way the system works and how it can benefit them. And it's something that I'm always having to check myself because not everybody agrees with me. And that's like, oh, sorry, what? <laughs> Um, sorry but, I don't understand what you just said you don't agree <laughs> you don't agree with me um, but, but is that thing of like her mother definitely knew how to quote unquote play the game mm-hmm. and use that patriarchal system to make her daughter and therefore her a star in some sense yeah. and I also think again we can't probably comprehend that because you know the 30s were right like you've had the silent movie you know where the women were like well where all of them were held up as like almost gods Mm -hmm. and then talkies came in and kind of changed and like it was that it really was celebrity in its first sense yeah again I think we maybe don't quite get that power and the amount of people that like digested all the information that they could about these people true or untrue um and therefore you know the studios had so much power in how they made somebody or broke them basically and you know that idea of like I mean even if we look at quote-unquote divas now I mean the term itself I actually quite like the term diva African I think we should embrace it I love it oh I love it yeah I love it but I know that there are a lot of people who don't and I understand why but you know like even looking at Whitney Houston she was held up to as you say this unattainable thing and it's this idea that we kind of forget it feels to me sometimes that women are actually human beings and they make mistakes yeah and we're not allowed to be flawed we have our 
sections and that's where we should stay in those yeah sections. and that was ultimately the downfall of judy i think as well wasn't it, it was this like this idea of like your commodity you need to mm-hmm. get out there and perform you know we're we, we're going to ignore the fact that you are so deeply broken because we can keep making money out of you and it's there's something about agency and yeah and um, not taking responsibility for the fact that she was broken because at 16 they put her on a variety a cocktail of drugs to keep her thin to keep her awake yeah it's i mean i admire i admire any strong women with agency in the public eye really uh, in this day and age in particular uh there's something oh like i mean we've seen it play out a couple of times in recent memory like jennifer lawrence is a good example like she basically she all but went into hiding um after uh her last sort of run of huge blockbusters like we didn't hear from from her for a couple of years and you know partly that's because she decided to go live her life and get married and have a baby and all the rest of it but she's you know she's since come out and said that she herself has felt like the public that that they were getting sick of me like you know I was I was everywhere and I and I needed to take a step back before and, and you know the hatred was already starting to to build up and it's like what is this weird insanely toxic thing we have as a culture as a society that's obsessed with like we saturate the market with a particular woman or a movie star or somebody of profile and then as soon as they're at their peak it's about tearing them down again it's like oh no 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 we've loved you now you're at your top of your game we can't have that we need to put you back in your place um and it's it. it cycles over and over and over again we see it over and over and over again and it's it's and i just anyone who can move through the public eye and could be constantly under fire and maintain their mental health and still be a beer steve a queen i'm always in awe of that because it's like this the culture that we move in is designed to be aggressive and weaponized against women at every turn yeah um and not just women we know that um we know that it's members of the lgbtq plus community it's trans women it's black women we know all that um so yeah it's just i'm I'm just i'm just in awe of anyone who can manage it um and then, to, I mean, like, I, I thought it was incredibly admirable that, that when Jennifer Lawrence reappeared to do press for her most recent movie, she was fairly honest about that. I mean, you could tell she was being quite guarded, which really upset me, actually, in many ways, because I was like, no, you, you, you. I think, though, she's also, I think there's something, yeah, she was guarded and she's always been one of those celebs, quote unquote, that's always felt really honest and kind of truthful but she's been pregnant during that round. And I think that probably the mixture of hormones and that sense of protecting this thing that is growing inside you probably has made her maybe more protection for it than it for them. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not coming out like it from, I mean, maybe it's going to come out like it from uh, the Adams family. You never know. With a fantastic long fringe, fantastic shiny fringe, shiny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I no, you're totally right, and and yeah, and but that I feel like part of that will also be like they're always they're always coming for me. They're always like they want mm-hmm. me to slip up. They want to see me fall on the red carpet. They want to see what crazy thing I'm going to have to say next, and and have about a million different opinions on it. So I think 
that garden garden is to protect our newborn infant from all of that will definitely be part of the fact be part of the the fabric of our society that doesn't like it when women have opinions or, or autonomy or agency that they can't control things that they can't control and uh and, I, and it's still yeah and i think you're totally right but something about it still still made me a little sad i was just like it's so it's just so shit that you can't just you can't just be mm-hmm. um yeah you don't get yeah. to just be and you i think when you're at that point you don't probably yeah. doesn't matter what gender you are you don't really get to just be just and that in itself is really toxic because those people are super talented and they're just doing their job yeah and I know that you can go yeah but if you decide that you want to be a film star or whatever and you make that choice you know that you need to take on board with all that yeah okay I'll get that to a certain point but also you don't need to invade their life though I know it's really weird like, it's not like also why do you need to know everything about their life she says, as someone who's read many biographies and um, stories about Judy Garland, and also my other, um, which was uh, the, the great Kate Hepburn. Oh, mm. God. And I think I was obsessed with Catherine Hepburn, just to bring it back around, obsessed with her because she didn't play the game. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, in the 30s, she was walking about Hollywood in trousers and flat shoes and, you know, wasn't, you know, one point was labelled box office poison. And then to get herself back on a footing where she was in control, a friend of hers, because, you know, she was lucky like that, had written a play for her and gave her the rights to the play because they knew that it was going to be made into a film. And therefore, the contract was if you take the rights for the play, she's in the lead. And that brought her back in to the Hollywood fold. But she never really played the Hollywood game, Mm. which probably annoyed the studios as well. So I always just I I think I always um, have admired her because she was really straight talking. Yeah. And really kind of just like, I mean, if any of you have ever seen uh, any of her interviews she did in the 70s with a guy called Dick Cavett you can watch it on YouTube um <laughs> she basically comes in to look at this setup and she's like to decide if she's actually going to do it because she very rarely did interviews and then she starts moving tables about because they're not great and then basically the interview just happens there and then <laughs> because he's like oh, I've got her, I need to just take it now. And she's obviously feeling comfortable enough because there's not an audience, there's not too many people. So she's she's quite free in that sense. But I did always love the fact that she was like, no, I'll be, you know, producer on this, I'll get the rights, I'll own the rights so that I have control of it. Which yeah. is what probably quite a lot of them ended up having to do to have any any sort of autonomy on what they were actually putting out into the world. Yeah, that reminds me of um, that anecdote. Well, it's not an anecdote, it's, it's out to be found and everybody should find it um, at the Edinburgh TV Festival. Michaela Cole talking about her journey. Yeah. She's on my list. God, yeah, she's, she's on my in- list. She's incredible. Um, yeah, she's like, I watched that. If anyone who's listening, if you've not seen it, Google Michaela Cole te- Edinburgh TV Festival. It's, she gives the, the keynote address. And it's about an hour and a bit or something like that. And it's worth every every minute. And I, I return to it time and time again when I'm feeling a little lost. 
um, because there's, you know, and 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 this is, you know, she's she's a fantastic example when thinking about celebrating types of women and all of the stuff that we talk about under the banner of persistent and nasty and where those things intersect with class and privilege and race and identity. And um, and she speaks to all of those things in her in her address, and it's 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 just brilliant. It's funny and sharp and relatable and um tragic and sad at points but also just like really triumphant because you're just like yes this this is it like you're speaking she's speaking truth to power in a way that is just calm likable like she's speaking truth to power in a room full of powerful people who probably are completely unaware that she's talking in many ways at, at some points about them or people like them and they're lapping it up laughing and thinking this is incredible and and it's oh it's chef's kiss <laughs> it really really is it's incredible but i i mean i just for me, I, I was because again when I was thinking about who I would talk about today, she was like right at the top of the people that I wanted to speak about because I just I find her as a human being really inspiring, and then the work that she does on top of that really inspiring, and how you've said it already, Lou, about how she moves through the world, just um. It's like I have this reaction in my body to her. Again, I'm on a podcast <laughs> forgetting that people can't see me with my hands and all that. But it is, it's like I see her and I see what she does and I see how she's what she says and that that you're talking about. So I actually met um my agent after that, who'd actually been at that event mm. and was like, it was what she'd said was it was fascinating because half the room got exactly what she was saying Mm -hmm. and the as you said and the other half weren't quite getting it that it was actually about them yeah and then it she said it was really interesting at certain points it was like the penny dropped and they were like oh shit (laughs) I would have loved to have been in the room to witness that I know I know just like phenomenal but like is that thing like when when I see Michaela Cole perform or when I hear her speak um, or you see work that she's created, there is just something in me that it's like this sense of, this is going to sound so fucking wanky and like 1970s drama school pish, but it is like, <laughs> it is like that call that goes out. It's like, you know, there's the book women who run with wolves and all of that and it's not quite that but it's like that sense of like that beat of being a female and how we have to use different footprints to move through the world Mm -hmm. Um, but we leave a trail for everyone else and for those to find and I just think that she's just yeah it's really beautiful I Does totally that even get... make sense what I no, said? No, it makes total sense. No, it makes total sense. It's not pish and it's not 1970s drama school. It's it's really beautiful and I I completely understand what you're saying. Okay. She's, yeah, she's blazing a trail, like, like uh-huh. to use a, a, a trite analogy. She's, that's... But, but as she does it, she leaves, like, this beautiful little, like, um, I'm totally gone really Scottish and now I've got, like, the wisps, like, you know, the, the <laughs> like... The yeah. folklore of Scottish wisps are like just there, like lighting the way. 
mm-hmm. for the others to the others that feel that beat inside them that want that change that want that passion that want that inspiration that are the, that she's going here's the way to go yeah and this is what you've been looking for and this is what you've been waiting for this is the call that you've been talking about for the last 10 12 20 30 years come with me yeah and I think uh, what's really gorgeous about it is that it never feels like she's doing that intentionally and I don't mean that like no it's organic it's it's organic it's just happening by virtue of her being her yeah and listening to her her address at the the Edinburgh TV festival where she touches on those sort of penny drop moments for her like being the only black kid at her particular drama school coming from the working class area of London that she came from and and observing and experiencing the ways in which people treated her differently and and having to you know having natural traumatic reactions to that but also just like allowing it to inform the kind of creative the creative that she would become it's just all so fucking like it, it yeah it get, I know what you mean it's like it, I feel it in my body it's hard to articulate you're just like you're having a, a visceral reaction to what she's saying and and a lot of it, you know, she, she speaks to a lot of things that I could never, I could never fully understand because I, I don't know what it's like to grow up as a, a working class black girl in London. Um, but, you know, the overarching thing of, of observing a situation and allowing the penny to drop. And then, like, the anecdote that she tells in that, that when you were talking about Kat Hepburn, uh, Catherine Hepburn, was when she turned down the Netflix deal because she was like, that's... I might not know everything about this world or this industry yet, but I know that that's not right for me and that I am giving away a piece of something of mine to you for essentially nothing. Like yeah. you're, you're talking to me like, like because I'm like the wee working class black girl from London that I should think that this is, this is it, this is the world and I should be desperate to just take that, like to snap yeah. that off you. But actually that's not the way I'm going to play this. I, feel, I know I'm worth more and I know that owning my property is worth more yeah. than what you're trying to get away what you're trying to steal right now essentially um and I just think that is so admirable and being able to sit with yourself in that moment because so few people would be able to do that um a million dollar Netflix deal like most people would just bite the hand right off them for that and she didn't she went no no I can I can take the beat within myself and know that that's I'm worth more and I just I just think it's like Oh, yeah, I have no yeah. words for yeah. how amazing that is and how inspiring that is. Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah. I mean, is there like, you know, I think for me, a lot of my inspiration, and it is because I am a performer, does tend to come from other actors um, or people who are involved in the arts somewhere, unless it's like we talked about, it's the people that we know in our life. Like, I, you know, my friends. My family really inspire me and in how they, they live their lives with truth and authenticity. And, it, and it's beautiful to watch and see and watch people grow as well and change. Mm. Um, that's inspiring. And, you know, like why also people in my life who maybe at one point had an opinion on something that I wouldn't have agreed with. And then they've gone and done the stuff and yeah. I find that really inspiring when somebody can check themselves. Yeah. 
and go actually no I need to take that on board and I think we get lost a lot in that because of like social media and all of that um but I think you know for me there's so many other people that I admire in the arts and like we all know I get obsessed with people very quickly (laughs) I mean my obsession with Jean Smart is ridiculous at the moment (laughs) I have started watching Made of East Town because, again, this is the thing. I'm sure we've talked about this before on the podcast that I tend not to when a show or a film comes out and everybody's like, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I tend not to watch it then, Mm. which is really weird because I always have FOMO. But (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and then actually see if it is as good as everybody says it is because I think there's part of the hype can like get involved. So I've started watching Made of East Town. Firstly, for fuck's sake, Kate Winslet. Oh, <laughs> so great. And also, like I said to Steve, I went, I love that, the, you know, they're trying to just make her like this, just regular human, just going about her business. And then the fucking light catches her face and you're like, oh, for <laughs> fuck's sake. You're like, yeah, she's still Kate Winslet. <laughs> I mean, look at that face. Jesus but I think she's brilliant in this and I love that um you know she's getting the chance to just remind people of how great an actress she is yeah she really um, is she really is and it's, it's I'm really enjoying it it's really great I think it's it feels really ensemble led as well but again Jean Smart's in that um playing Helen her mother and what I love is that a woman who is in her late 60s has been given two roles in the same year of Helen and Mayor of Easttown and then Deborah Vance and Hacks. And I realise people are like, Elaine, how have you seen Hacks? Well, I was in Canada for a while. Before that. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, like, why is it not here in the UK? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, but I mean, it's they're complete opposites and everything, and she is so brilliant at both of them, like so utterly brilliant. It's a joy to watch as a performer, just to watch somebody. But what's more important for me is like watching it. I was like, this is a joy to watch a woman in her late sixties be given the opportunity to do this because yeah. it does feel like men get that opportunity way more. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, all the time, like all the time <laughs> and also from anything I've seen of her she just seems really genuine and kind of you know and I realize she's super well known in America because she was in a show like in the 90s or something there that was like a bit like a kind of updated golden girls um all right okay I believe it was called designing women I oh told yeah. You. yeah I told you I, I, heard of it. I told you I was obsessed um <laughs> but that kind of thing of like you know so over here maybe like things that we didn't necessarily get but just like I just thought that in itself to be able to have that is great but what's been really interesting is you know she's actually because I noticed that she won a sag the other night for hacks um and she was like to have this at this point in my career and it's just that thing of like women in our industry are always having to see that line men never never see that line no well, like, like, there's like a big, there's a big invisibility gap. We're in it right now. Two of us are in it right now. Um, Hi there. 
it's like yeah we won't become visible again until we reach a until we're a good solid bit older and they and by they i mean the industry know where to put us because women don't exist unless they're young and fuckable or old and wise and can you know or old and a ball buster for want of a better expression do you know what i mean and we've talked about this endlessly on this podcast but that that is something that seems to be as as pervasive as ever Uh, there's tiny tiny little bits of progress being made towards it um but not enough um and it still it still feels like it still feels that the progress that is made towards it is things like it's things like jean smart but again she's older than us and it's amanda abington abington in um in ted lasso but again she's older than us like there's still a math like women are not allowed to be their actual age and do like live their actual lives like they just disappear for a period because that sort of middle ground of not quite young ingenue not quite mother not not old and like old enough to be like remarkable for a reason like jean smart and hacks for somebody you know, or for example it's like i don't yeah it's very frustrating yeah, there's um, a there's a um, British actress called Nikki Clark who has been oh doing. Oh yes, I've been yes, following. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Doing a whole cam- campaign called Act Your Age. So I'll link it in the show notes for everyone. But it's just really fascinating, and it started. Well, it kind of I think it was pushed forward with the Katie Mulligan um, film last year, where she was basically playing somebody who was fifty five. But she's oh yes a, this was the but she's 32 yeah and yeah. it was like well why are we having a woman who's in her 30s when there's plenty of us who are that age that can play it yeah now Katie Mulligan is a name we get that right get yeah. it but there's also names there's women who are, you know it's it, yeah Anyway, I will yeah. link all that with all the work that um, Nikki Clark's been doing. We should that. ask and Nikki if she wants to come on the podcast. We should, actually. absolutely. I actually thought about yeah. that um, the other day. I mean, I'm still, Michaela Cole, I'm still, I'm, I'm coming for you, babes. Yeah, we're, we're desperate for death. I mean, I am, mana, I am womanifesting the shit out of that. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> I was lucky enough to meet Nicola Sturgeon last weekend. Yes, at the end of... Uh, the book festival, the Paisley Book Festival, which is a project that I produce, and um, and does and, it bl- bloody brilliantly. Is thanks very much. It nearly broke me, but hey ho. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not bringing N- Nicola Sturgeon up to have a conversation about politics because that's not really what that's yeah. about. And lover or hater for her politics, it's sort of irrelevant. What I find amazing about her and, and had that reinforced for me when I met her and she actually spent time chatting and after she because basically she was there to chair uh, an event with the Scottish Macker so it was all about poetry and and the Macker as a position of uh, not authority but a, a cultural position created by the Scottish government it was one of the first acts of culture that the uh, Scottish government engaged in after devolution happened so it's a kind of a big deal and that's why and she wanted to chair it so she came to chair it and it was a discussion about poetry and culture and, and, and the importance of arts and culture and, and, and for Scotland as a society and what we contribute to the world in that sense. So it, had not, it didn't have anything to do with politics. And I, and I say all that just to provide a bit of context, because for me, it was just like I admire her greatly for her ability. Like she gets eviscerated by the patriarchy at every turn, doesn't matter what she says, what she does. 
And I know that that's partly, that's a huge part of that is a woman in politics and a woman with profile. Um, but it's just, it, it is astonishing and disgusting the levels of, of, of vitriol and, and horrific things that get said to her about her every turn. And, and she just carries it all with like, just like, or at least the outwardly, that's what it seems like outwardly. I'm sure she's got her as a person, she's a person at the end of the day. So I'm sure she has her own ways of dealing with it and has her own moments where she struggles. But I just find that astonishing. And to, on, and to always be able to sort of keep things on track and, and to meet her in person, sort of get that sort of reaffirmed that she is that, she seems that genuine and down to earth and, and genuinely invested in culture. I was just like, that's it, isn't it? That's the thing. It's just like you're here to do a job to the best of your ability, and and you do it in the face of like like pure hatred in some in some aspects, and 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 some of that hatred is rooted in the fact that she's a woman. A lot of it oh, is rooted yeah. in the fact that she's almost I would say maybe like eighty five yeah. to ninety percent of it. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, I just think it's kind of astonishing. Uh, and it's that it's that level of um, that level of like you must you must have to be really assured in your ability to of, to do what you do and do it well, and um, I just I, yeah I find that quite remarkable. And there's and there's there, there's loads of women like that in the in in our industry, um, and they're just not. That's just not praised enough. I don't think. Um, does that make sense? I, I just sort of yeah, no, no, it totally does make sense, and I completely, I, I completely agree. Like anything, anytime she posts, anytime Nicola Sturgeon posts anything on Twitter, it is just misogyny, oh, spewing forth, and um, it's interesting. I've been working on um. A translation of Medea recently and a point where Medea calls to the women of the city that she's in and in this translation it's quite visceral and like the language is really um strong and it talks about you know we let these men finger us and fuck us and um spit on us and all of these things while they do all of this and they do it all to the part that gave the bastards life is the line and it really struck me like every like when it was getting done I was like every person who perpetuates the misogyny if you could only take a second it was like we said this in one of our very first podcasts with Maureen Beatty actually um if you could just take a second and think about your misogyny and think about it that somebody's saying that about your mother or somebody's saying that about your sister, or your niece, or your daughter, or your granddaughter, or your aunt, or your grandmother, or the woman who cares for you. How would that then change how you behave? Because it's this, it feels like there's this lack of correlation that doesn't happen. Like they don't match the dots. Yeah. But that in itself is a problem because what that's, that that's always really frustrated me as a way to try as a way in to try and reason with these people or to try and reason with misogyny 
is that women as people and humans in their own right as as humans that deserve even a modicum of your respect or treatment or like like deserve humanity can only exist in your brain as a thing in in terms of how it relates to you like you can't conceive of it unless it's conceptualized for you as a woman in relation to you and how it like you as in the misogyny do you know what i mean so it's like it can't without that example without trying to crowbar that connection into their brains it's like if it's not thinking about it in terms of mother daughter sister like related some sort of caretaker or individual who's related to me that it can't they can't conceive of it as a woman therefore women equals human therefore respect and humanity and dignity and that's always really bothered me and that's the fundamental problem isn't it it's like misogyny exists because there's this this thing about not viewing women as worthy of humanity and dignity outside of that that yes that example isn't it yeah oh (laughs) that was not where i was expecting us to go in our celebration (laughs) (laughs) well i think actually to just like as as, if we're coming towards the end i don't know are we coming towards the end but if we need a, a brighter note like isn't it amazing in the face of all that there is so much to celebrate i know no i know <laughs> absolutely despite um, all of that yeah despite, despite all, all of that, that we have i mean the thing is like absolutely and do you know what as you say and despite all of that like the amount of women that i could talk about who are um writers that i admire or musicians that i admire or poets that i admire you know in fact ashley hayes who we had on the podcast during lockdown who is an incredible spoken word poet and really just anytime i hear ashley stuff just like really just like puts a fire in my belly same with kay tempest the work that they do is just oh hold your own it just is like so beautiful and what they create when I hear again it's that visceral thing that I get with like Michaela Cole that I can't put into words yeah um and you know like even like again like and it's like as a kid obsessed with freaking 1930s 40s not 50s so much because and especially can't watch that now because it's so fucking misogynistic and sexist (laughs) I'm like, oh my god, why? I loved in the fear to remember, and now it's ruined. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, like even looking back at that, and like seeing somebody like Jane Fonda, and now we know like all the stuff that she's done. But she is one of my first memories of an activist. So not, you know, because she kind of broke that kind of hollywood fine we could start going through all yeah that. there's a long list <laughs> there's a huge list um i think what i just want to say to people for international women's day women's history month you know maybe try like i'm going to do my best this month to kind of look at different aspects of the world like look at women in stem um look at uh women in different technologies look at women who are in the medical profession and the medical field just so that I kind of open up because actually as the arts like it all feeds in anyway Mm -hmm. yeah 
I mean, I think I probably do. And if I took a little moment, I probably could give you a list of people that I do. But it's also that thing of like, now I'm just thinking about Michaela Cole and Jean. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Those are two great people to be thinking of. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Women are making incredible contributions in all industries and all aspects of life. Um, I mean, Hedy Lamar, do you all know who she is? Like, you know, Hedy Lamar. She's basically how we ended up with um, Wi-Fi. And <laughs> Google was, it, people. She was like a major 1940s Hollywood star. So, you know, she's incredible. Um, Louise, who are you thinking about as we finish the podcast? Uh, actually, weirdly, just thinking, because uh, you were talking about women at, in different decades and um more vintage examples if you like and I was thinking about Lucille Ball actually I was quite obsessed with her for a period of time in my early 20s and I read a couple of biographies uh and she's incredible I mean I loved her anyway as a, as a funny woman as a woman in comedy basically but yeah. she was also like an incredibly astute businesswoman and started up her own production company and was one of the first women to ever do that in the TV mm-hmm. and screen industry mm-hmm. to be in charge of her own empire yes. in that way. She was. Um, and she was, and I, I haven't watched Being the Ricardos yet because I don't know if I can bother, to be quite frank. I've heard it's not all that great. Yeah. Um, and I, I've heard it doesn't actually focus on this stuff as much as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I, and, you know, I think they've been talking about there being a biopic about Lucille Ball for years, and that's the stuff I would really want that to dig into yeah um so yeah she's I just find her as as someone who had the journey that she had and was also like told at every turn that she wasn't conventionally beautiful and and was also this incredibly funny uh goofy clown of a woman whilst also at the same time I think gorgeous she was stunningly beautiful Mm. in her own look and her own her own vibe and her own thing she just kind of like marched the beat of her own drum in so many ways so, I, you know, for a vintage International Women's Day shout out, I think Lucille Ball needs a little bit more. Um, bit yes. more of a celebration. And then I was just thinking, like, about things to kind of connect with Scotland and all of that. And we've shared a post on this probably, like, two years ago, actually, which is terrifying. But um, there is an amazing, there was an amazing woman called Mary Seacole, who was a nurse and hotelier and... Um, just incredible businesswomen who for the time that she lived is amazing and everybody should kind of find out as much as they can about her she was the daughter um of a Jamaican businesswoman and a Scottish army officer so there's actually I'm sure a statue of her in Govan need to double check that I'm pretty sure there is um yeah, so she... Very cool. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. Also, if we're talking about, like, absolute badass trailblazers of old Hollywood, everybody needs to get behind a campaign to make a biopic about Eartha Kitt. Yeah, oh my God, yes! Yeah, we need a biopic about Eartha Kitt, like, immediately, if not sooner. Oh my God, Michaela Cole should be Eartha Kitt. Oh my God. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she absolutely should be. Hi she there. Absolutely like, should be. Can we make that happen? Can I actually you imagine? Eartha Kitt came up in my playlist this morning because I fucking love it. I love Eartha Kitt. And 
just, you know, could just go and watch some of her clips about, you know, being a woman and dealing with men. They're just joy. Oh, fun. She's, she's um, hysterical. And what a life. What an incredible life. And what a no-nonsense, go-fuck-yourself fantastic lady she was. Yeah. Like, yeah, get your hands on any 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 material you can to read about Eartha Kitt because she was something else. Um, you know, as an she's she's as I would say she should be anyway as as well known for her activism as she as she was as for her performance Absolutely. performing. I think that's perfect. So Louise and I are putting it out there, and um, Michaela Cole to be Eartha Kitt to write, that. direct, and star. Yes. <laughs> Um, Michaela, I don't know if I know anybody that knows you. I'm going to try and find that out because we're going to we're going to punt that to you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to pitch it. It's, it's yours. Yeah, we're pitching that to you, babe. It's yours. <laughs> um, I also just want to let people know I am hosting a um, event on International Women's Day um, for the Equity Women's Committee, in which we are launching an online toolkit which has loads of resources and organizations and links and helpful information on so many different things that um, people have to deal with in our industry from dealing with maternity and caring responsibilities to harassment and um, money and health and well-being and it's really the women that put this together all done by activists is incredible so I if you want to come and join me, do it. Do it. And we will also have the amazing poet and activist Lisa Lux um, joining us, who is incredible um, as well. So exciting. That sounds amazing. Oh, I know. Um, thanks, Lou. Go get a cup of tea and a sleep. <laughs> Asleep is definitely what is happening. Excuse me, I'm going to mute while I cough. Okay, you mute while you cough. Um. I also, we want to do a little call out throughout the month um, so that we can share people's stories um, of women that inspire them and we'll put them on every podcast at the end and we might, or we might, we haven't quite decided yet because you know how we like to roll, or we might just do a whole episode at the end of March of all the different stories of women who have inspired you, our listeners, and we would love to hear that because let's celebrate each other what this podcast is about so much it's yes it's about challenging things and it's about being aware of things and moving our activism but it's about celebration of all of it and what we have to do and how as Louise put it beautifully earlier how we move through the world yeah hopefully yeah, queen. <laughs> okay <laughs> Until next time, lovely listeners. Until next time. <laughs> Come on, Lou, let's do it. Do it. Stay, Stay nasty. nasty. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's the worst right. one yet. That is literally the worst one. We're going to blame the COVID. It's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Love you.